as I was finishing my university time uh, in Cape Town, uh, I w I'd been studying there and I'd already had two gap years, one planned, one not so planned. Um, and I was getting towards the end and I was going, I'm already two years behind, I really need to get going with life. So uh, I'd been finishing uh, studying finance and economics and I was going, great, I, I'd love to either do my um, Charter Financial Analyst course or the CFA um, or uh, my normal articles or work for a business or something, but I actually just need to get going. So I put out all the feelers and I applied and England sort of would reject me because they're like, we don't really recognize um, your BCom in South Africa as a route into it in England. And South Africa, I'd have to go into the masters to be able to do it. So it was a bit of a nightmare. So I applied to a few different jobs. I applied to one here and uh, one in South Africa. I got into both. Um, but at that time, everyone was like, there's no ways you should be going homeward bound to Zim. You should be looking elsewhere at that time, hyperinflation 2008. So uh, I then got the job in South Africa and accepted it. So I was like, great, I'm going to do this job. It involved travel and different traveling teams, sort of tourism business. It was exciting um, and a really nice package. So I, I, I analyzed the two and I was like, great, I'm going to take it. So I said to the guy, I'm going to take it. So I'm going to start in a sort of month and a half time. So I was going to come in for a bit and then start there in the January. And uh, I just did not have a piece. So no matter what I did and no matter how much I prayed, I was like, I've got this job and it's amazing that I got accepted, but I could not get a piece. I couldn't sleep properly at night. It was just frustrating. I was like, on the outside, everything looked great, but it just wasn't, it wasn't fitting. And at that same time, sort of a day after I said yes, um, I got sent an email out of the blue, sort of popped onto the screen, and it was from guys leading an organization here, and they said, listen, Craig, the person who has led this organization for a number of years is stepping down. We would love you to take the position. We can't promise we can pay you anything, but we really think you're the right person for the job um, and it's hyperinflation zoom. Well, it was moving into US dollars, I think, at the time. But it was just amazing that as I read the email, I knew without a shadow of a doubt, I had to say yes to that. It was just instant. It was just a moment in my life where it, would, it changed the trajectory of what I was going to be doing, but I just knew as I read that, I had an absolute peace in my heart. It makes no logical sense. This is what I need to do. I needed to still be a man of my word, so I phoned the guys who I had said a day before, great guys, I can't wait to work for you. Um, which probably wasn't exactly true, but I needed to look upbeat, you know, when you first accept a job post. Um, and I phoned a, a lovely godly man, and he just said, um, listen, I actually, I understand, and I think you would actually be the best person for that job. So let me phone a few different people who possibly could fill your place, and if one of them says yes, no problem, I release you and you must go for it. Thankfully, one of those two did, and so I was homeward bound. Um, but it was just an amazing moment in my life where, where, where God sort of brought, it was just an email, but it was absolutely huge in terms of event-wise in my life. Um, talk about a smaller one, this past week on Thursday, um, I was meeting um, a friend of mine who works at the US Embassy, um, beautiful place, um, quite far out, because obviously America thought that that's where um, Zim was sort of going to grow and expand and where it was going to be the new hub, hasn't worked like that, so they drive quite a long way to work, but uh, it's, it's a great place to be nevertheless. So we went there and we sat down at the, the cafeteria. We had had a walk around and we sat down at the cafeteria there to, to, to have a bit of a chat. While we're talking, um, the, the deputy director or whatever comes and sits down. Would it be okay if I came and, and spoke with you guys? So we sit and chat and then um, the head of USAID comes and he's like, um, hey guys, is the seat taken? Is it okay if we, we come and chat? And um, then I forget the, the other guy who was head of one of the other parts of it comes and says, I'm sorry guys, is this last seat taken? Do you mind if I come and we come and sit with you guys? 
So we're sort of sitting there and we, we get chatting and we get chatting about church stuff and, and everything else, um, why, about why I'm there. <laughs> and um, uh, and we, we got chatting. And then after I finished the conversation, I said to my friend, I was like, that was pretty strange. Has that happened before? He was like, you know, in the sort of year and a half to two years that I've been here, those guys have never once come to even ask if they could sit when I'm in the cafeteria every single day. And we sat there going in that moment, it was a real, you should have felt God's presence in the moment. We didn't have any crazy, super spiritual conversation. We chatted a bit, but we just sat there going, this doesn't usually happen. Well, I was sitting going, I'm sure this doesn't usually happen. He was sitting even more going, I've been in this embassy for two years and this has never happened. Um, and we just sat there going, God, you're doing something. We don't exactly know what you're doing. This is unexpected and out of the blue, but you're doing something. And so we celebrated afterwards and we prayed and it was really exciting. Now you might say, why do we share those different stories when we're looking at a crazy, wild birth? What is your response when the unexpected happens? Well, regardless of where you stand faith-wise today, whether you would consider yourself a Christ follower, whether you're exploring faith where you are at, I'm sure could ask you with a show of hands, um, how many of you have experienced an event in your life where it could be in a small thing like that conversation that I had with those guys, or it could be in a big dramatic life turn where you've gone, this is absolutely unexpected, it's taken me um, completely by surprise, it might be a good thing, it might be a bad thing, or it might just be something that, that, that really does scare you because it's so out of the blue. Who's had experiences like that before? Christ follower or not? I think all of us would say we've experienced something like that. It could be a grand life-changing level of a move to a new country, an out-of-the-blue job opening, a conversation that impacted you. I can remember conversations when I was a child or a teenager that still sit with me today, they've had an impact. Um, or maybe it's an event that's been so mind-boggling, a miracle in your life, and I know a number of people here have experienced crazy miracles of healing and other things. Um, you sort of keep pinching yourself going, was that actually for real? Did that happen in my life? Did it really come to pass? Am I making it up? You know, but you know it's true. Now the virgin birth of Jesus Christ was one of those experiences to a number of people, those close to the birth like Mary and Joseph, but also those on the periphery. It was one of those events that dramatically changed their lives or had the potential to and it depended on their response to that event. You see, the impact for the good or the bad that unexpected events have on our lives will depend on how we respond to the unexpected. Have a huge impact on how things look going forward, on how we respond to the unexpected. So when our worlds get rocked um, by something out of this world, out of the blue, we need to carefully consider how we respond and we need to train ourselves for this and we need to learn for this so we can get the most out of it. And so we're gonna look at a few different characters in this nativity scene, the birth of Jesus scene, to sort of glean how to respond, how not to respond when these events like this happen in our lives or set us up for sort of the Christmas day talk as well. So we're gonna read. Now I would love you to sit, I don't mind if you close your eyes, you can track along with me, but I'm gonna read it. I split it up into chronological forms. So we're going to be looking at Matthew and Luke, but I'm going to read it so it's in the time that it happened because we jump between the different books and the different authors. So I'm going to read it. You can follow along if you want to. I'm going to be in Luke 1, Matthew 1, and then Luke 2. But if you don't have a Bible, I'm not going to have it up there. I just want you to, to listen. Listen to it as if it's a story and we will kick it away. So here it goes. Luke 1, and I'll, I'll start from... 
verse 26, because that's really in the order of process um, how we best see it. So Luke 1, and uh, we will read together. So this is how it goes. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to marry a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by the statement, i.e., what's coming next? (laughs) Wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One will be born, um, one to be born will be called the Son of God. So that's up to um, 36, oh, sorry, um, and, um, and consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived the son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless, childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary answers, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. Then we jump back to Matthew. So we, I'm trying to track it in chronological order. So we jump back to Matthew 1 verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. So we've had the angel talking to Mary. Now look what happens. After his mother Mary um, had been engaged to Joseph. So the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together, before they had sex, that she was pregnant with, uh, from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. They will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. We're almost there, but I hope you're, you're, you're following with it as we flow. Right, so now the angels have spoken to both of them, and then we get to Luke 2, and we pick it up from verse 4. So you flip back again if you have your Bibles, otherwise keep listening. So Joseph, there was a census. Joseph needs to go back to his original homeland. So he goes up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. 
In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in a cloth and lying in a manger. Then we'll jump down. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it, probably all of the family with Mary and Joseph, were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. And then the last little bit, Matthew 2, wasn't just the shepherds who heard, there were some other wise men as well. Not three kings or three wise men, we don't know how many there were, so uh, we, they could have been loads. But anyway, we pick it up in this short little bit, the last bit. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, another character in the story, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. Then I'll jump down. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem. He said, go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him, which obviously he wanted to uh, take him out, which you see later. After hearing the king, they went on their way and there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by a different route. So it's great to sort of track with it as we flow. And we've got a few different characters that we're gonna look at. First character, you'll see up there, Mary. So you would have heard me talk and we shared the story of Mary. Can you imagine the absolute shock of a teenage girl having an angel firstly appear to her and then saying, guess what? You're pregnant with God's son. Now I think she must have been like, a little bit fearful as she was of the angel, but wow, this is incredible. And then reality would have struck to go, I'm gonna be disowned, I'm gonna be ostracized, I'm most likely gonna be divorced, life as I know it will never be the same. It would have been a terrifying thing for her to think through the process. But look at her response that she says there. She says, I am the Lord's servant, may it be done according to your word. So first point, when it comes to dramatic events that we can't fully grasp, whether it's an angel of the Lord or not, an event that comes out of nowhere that is gonna have a huge impact on our life, which it would have for Mary, a massive trajectory change for her. The best possible response is Mary's response. God, I'm your servant. You're the one in charge, not me. 
and may it be done according to your plan, which will always be the best, even if it doesn't look like it on the outset. You're God and I'm not. You love me, I trust you. May your will be done. And that's the best possible place. So challenge to each of us. Maybe you're looking in from the outside going, why are guys at church? What are you really doing this morning? What is this God about? Well, we believe there's a God who loves us, who's in absolute control. And trusting him with your life is the best possible place to be now and for all eternity. There may be some tough stuff ahead. It wasn't plain sailing for, for Mary at all. But it was a life of purpose. It was a life of joy. And God will give you all that you need to get through the experience, the thing that comes out of the blue, and to live a purpose and a life full of joy through it. So the lesson we learn from Mary, humility, trust, and courage. We need those things. We need to learn from this teenage girl. So humbling to learn um, from someone in that position. We need to learn from her those things. What about the next character? Joseph. What about our friend Joseph? Now it says there that Joseph was an upright man. So we look across there and it talks about Joseph being an upright man. He wanted to honor God. But now imagine the conversation. He thinks he's found a cracker of a wife to be. They're engaged. She comes along to him and she just says, I'm Joseph. The most hectic thing happened last night. An angel came to me and said, guess what, Joseph? Uh, Guess what, Mary? You're pregnant and you're gonna have a baby. Now, I wonder if Joseph, and I'm sure he did because you'll see his response from there, went, hmm, that's probably the wildest story I've ever heard to cover yourself from sleeping with another man. It's what he would have done. Because the next response, and I'll read it very briefly for you, this is what he does. So it says that he is an upright man, but look at this, what happens. So it was discovered... This is Matthew 1 verse 20. Before they came together that she was pregnant with the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. So he did not believe her. He didn't believe her. Because if he believed her, he would have been like, Mary, I completely, I completely believe we're going to go ahead with marriage. This is how it's going to be. I trust you. Meanwhile, he didn't. So he was like, but because I still have compassion, because I'm still a godly man, although she's messed up and she slept with someone else and is now pregnant with someone else, I'm going to do it quietly so there isn't shame, there isn't disgrace, um, but I'm going to separate myself from her. Didn't believe that an angel had appeared to her and that she was pregnant by God. But this is where it gets so interesting. But after he had considered these things and he had made his plans, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream and says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is not from some other random that she hooked up with. It is from the Holy Spirit. Do you know what I love about this part with Joseph? He was a man of integrity, but God will speak to us clearly if we want to honor him, even if our vision is clouded, even if we're about to make a big mistake, God will get his purpose achieved in our lives. Don't you love it that Joseph did want to honor God? Yes, he didn't believe her, and that was an error in judgment. He didn't see God at work in that process, but he wanted to follow God. He was an honorable man. Don't you love how God blasted in any way with the angel, going, you're not going to believe her just by her talking, so I am going to bring an angel so you will believe her, so my purpose will prevail. So what's so encouraging for us as Christ followers? We get it wrong sometimes, right? 
Sometimes we're asking God for wisdom, we're asking him for advice, we just make mistakes. Maybe we're stressed out and we don't hear his voice. Maybe we are clouded by our own personal judgment or pride or whatever else and we just make a bad call. We're about to make a bad call, all we do. We've got a God who is bigger than our bad decisions. We've got a God who will step into our lives and a God who will get us on the right track, who will work his purpose in our lives regardless of whether we're listening to him clearly or not. I just love it in that story. Joseph is a great example in the story of even with good intentions when we're about to make a wrong decision, God steps in in the process. So I just absolutely love that and hang on to that one when you're making decisions. Right, Joseph's extended family. Luke 2. This is really interesting. So Luke 2, verse 4, and then I'll pick it up in verse 7. Then Mary, so it's been some time, they've now traveled across. Now popular, or contrary to popular opinion, they wouldn't have traveled there right before she gave birth. So they would have gone a number of months before. It's about a 70-mile trip. It's a long way on either a donkey or a camel or walking. So they wouldn't have done this at like eight months. They would have gone quite a number of months before. And the other thing, contrary to, um, sorry to ruin it, kids or adults, if you really think Jesus was born in a stable or there was no room at the inn, that's also not the case. So if you have believed that for the whole time, the Bible doesn't actually say that. I don't think it really matters that much if your children celebrate a stable and things like that, but it's not really the true story. So when we pick it up, it's very clear actually in Luke 2 verse 7. She gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. That word for guest room is the same room Jesus uses for the upper room in the Last Supper and a number of other passages talk about a room in someone's house. So the most likely explanation is Joseph goes back to his hometown and all of the extended family are also trying to get back to his mom or dad or the relatives in the house there. So it is a jam packed house. So there's no nice guest room for them, but what everyone reckons in terms of the study of it is that downstairs in everyone's home was usually the place where animals stayed to keep them safe at night. So there's a room either to the side or downstairs where the animals would be and there'd be hay and straw for winter and to protect them from thieves. And that's the most likely place where Mary and Joseph had the baby. Maybe they were sleeping there and in the midst of all the straw they put in some beds or they were sleeping in other rooms and when it came time for the baby to be born, the rest of the family was like, listen, we don't want any wailing from Mary and stuff like that. So is it okay if you guys just go downstairs so you don't disrupt us? as the large extended family. We're not exactly sure. Maybe they were really welcoming. There was no other place except there, but it wasn't a nice hotel where the innkeeper was like, we're really sorry, there's no room for you at the inn. Unfortunately, guys, if you got told that, it's not the true story. <laughs> so um, not to ruin it, I don't mind if you guys have stables and things like that at your house, it's okay. As long as Jesus is there, <laughs> then, I'm, then I'm chuffed. Anyway, what do we learn from the family? It's an interesting one because we don't exactly know their heart, but there's something interesting here. I wonder how the family would have made space for Mary and Joseph if they truly believed the king of the world, the king of kings was about to be born in their midst. I just wonder whether they might have kicked out other family and put the best possible room in their home there. We just wanna get this right, we wanna pimp out this place, we wanna make it the most hardcore nursery because the king is coming. The king of the world is coming. There's no doubt Mary and Joseph would have told them about their dreams. 
there's no doubt Mary and Joseph would have been sharing about this. They would have had a number of months there in the family home, but yet they gave birth, probably crammed down with the animals or without the animals, but down in the worst possible room because, sorry Mary and Joseph, there isn't any other space for you in the house. This was the king of kings, it was their creator, but they were going to have him be born in probably the worst possible spot in the house. See, sometimes King Jesus is so very close to us, he's in our midst, but because of distractions, because of pride, or whatever else, we miss seeing him for who he is, and we relegate him to the least most important place in our lives. We can do it so easily, and we can do it every day. Jesus, there's so many other important things I need to do. In Christmas season, we can do it. There's presents we've got to buy. There's Christmas lunch. There's all these sorts of things that have to happen. It's Christmas season, and he's kind of the add-on. Church is what you've got to do. Kind of have to. Maybe we should read a little bit from the Bible. Or it's that actually in everyday life, there's just many, many other things that crowd out the one who is most valuable. Such a powerful lesson to learn from an extended family who I believe should have come and said, we've got the best spot for you. In our lives, Jesus, you are the king of the world. I want you to take center place in my life. And so easily, he can take second or third or be shunted downstairs where we can't really hear what he's saying to us. Such a great challenge for us in this Christmas thing. Great. Three more, the shepherds. So the shepherds, and they're, they're out there, they're looking after the different animals, and uh, the angels come, and they just say, guys, listen, there's a king who's been born, and they hurry off there. So there's that passage uh, that we see there. Now, the shepherds were considered kind of the most lowly in terms of earning power. Sort of herdsmen today in Zimbabwe, um, maybe the level of maids or gardeners, but probably a little bit lower than that. That was the shepherds. Nothing special, nothing fancy. Don't you love the fact that Jesus chose to show himself, well, the King of Kings chose to show himself with an amazing host of angels singing and to be the first there after the family. He chose the least. I think it's an amazing picture of Jesus saying, I care about everyone and I'm gonna prove to you that on my birth, that when the King of Kings is born, those who society kind of reject, who live out in the fields, who kind of just do the dirty work, looking after the animals, keeping them safe, while other people do important things, they're gonna be the first ones there. I love it. Such a powerful picture that God uses the forgotten in society. He uses those on the outskirts to be a vital part of his story. These shepherds experienced the wonder of a host of angels as well as being some of the first outsiders to meet Jesus. No one is more or less valuable than anyone else in God's kingdom. God views everyone the same. And as Christ follows, we need to do the same. What a great challenge from the shepherds. So family, don't miss God when he's right in front of you. Shepherds, God uses those that we least expect. So if you're sitting here and going, I kind of feel a bit left out, I'm not really as important as other people, don't really earn very much, or my life doesn't seem to account for anything, God has not forgotten you, and he won't. And he wants to do something in your life. Last two. The wise men, or the kings from afar. So these wise men, we uh, pick up the story in Matthew. And so they've been obviously watching, and they've been watching from afar, and they then follow the staff for probably many months, 
would have had to take huge provisions with them. They would have sacrificed a long time because they'd been watching for the signal that the king of the Jews was gonna come. They'd been watching for it, they'd been looking at old scriptures and they'd been waiting the expectation. And they see it and they drop everything in their head. Could have been a month's journey, could have been years, we're not exactly sure the distance and how long it would take them, but they head there and they don't just head there with a long travel, they head there with gold, frankincense and myrrh, immense value. They head with things of immense value to this great king. What's your response to King Jesus? What are you prepared to offer when it comes to your time and your resources to the Lord? For those wise men from afar who had been studying and researching, they were willing to travel many, many months and take great financial resources, things of great value, to present to a king that they didn't know that they hadn't met, but they trusted to be the king of the Jews. What are you prepared to sacrifice for the king of kings? What have you been sacrificing? What are you prepared to? Is it your time? Is it your resources? If he truly is who he says he is, he's worth us giving everything for. Those wise men got it. That's why they got to be there too. They understood the value of King Jesus, and we need to understand that as well. They give us a great lesson that Jesus is worth any sacrifice. And then the last group of people, Herod and all of Jerusalem with him as well. It says there, Matthew 2 verse three, when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. It wasn't just him that was, the word would have got around. Shepherds were there, the, the wise men were asking, the gossip mill would have raced around. There's these people saying that there's a king here, that the king of the Jews is here. Would have raced around like that. King Herod and all of the Jews were troubled. Well, King Herod was jealous. He didn't want there to be any other kings. So he had pride, he had control, he had a lot of things on his mind, but he was like, there is not gonna be another king in my place, and so he wanted to sort it out. But what about all of Jerusalem? Well, they were confused because they thought their king was gonna come how they wanted, to sort out the Romans, to sort out their problems, to make them prosperous, to give them the easy life. That's what they were after, this king who was gonna rule the world on earth and solve everything for them. Don't let pride, jealousy, and personal perspectives get in the way of encountering Jesus, even if he works in ways and comes in ways that you never expect. It's what happened with King Herod, it's what happened with the Jewish people. They weren't prepared to see Jesus for who he was because he came in a way different to what they expected, to what they'd been told for generations. Because of pride and jealousy, King Herod never saw it either and I think many others as well. And we can let so many things get in the way of encountering Jesus. So I'm not sure what your crazy wild birth experience is. I don't know what it's been in the past. I don't know what it's gonna be in the future. I don't know what big event is gonna come and rock your world. I don't know if it's gonna be a sudden call to another country. I don't know if it's going to be um, uh, an out of the blue job appointment. I don't know if it's gonna be a great loss. I don't know what it's gonna be, but what's your response gonna be to it? First and foremost, what's your response to King Jesus? How, how do you respond to him? But on top of that, how are you gonna respond when an event comes that rocks your world? I trust and pray that you and I would learn to respond in the way Jesus would want us to. That you and I would learn from these characters when they came face to face with an unexpected curveball. 
And I pray that this Christmas and beyond, we would shine brightly for the Lord in how we respond to events, both his coming and others that take us by surprise. If you're exploring faith here today, I pray that you continue to explore, you continue to engage. There's a great promise, Jeremiah 29 verse 13, where Jesus says, you, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. You will, and I know that that is absolutely true. If you continue to explore with an open heart, with an open mind, if you press in, you will find him, and you will find him to be the king that he says he is. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, the, the virgin birth is just a mind-boggling miracle. But actually, it's not that mind-boggling when we believe you created the world by speaking. Then to, uh, to bring about the virgin birth is, is really not that complex for a supernatural God who wanted to invade our world. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would catch the gravity of what it means that God came what it means that you came. And as we looked there early, that uh, the season is definitely the Christmas season. But you coming to earth is just the start of the story. It ends with a crown of thorns and you dying for each of us on the cross. But you came supernaturally. You lived supernaturally. You died and rose again supernaturally. I pray for each of us that this Christmas 2019 would take on a gravity like it's never taken on before that it would, it would alter us, it would change us, it would transform us, it wouldn't lose its power. As we come into these few days, as family arrives and presents happen and all those sorts of things, Lord Jesus, please save us from the secondary. Keep us focused on the primary. For those of us exploring faith here today, I ask that we'd keep exploring, we'd keep diving and we would keep searching. But as we look to the next few days where on the 25th we celebrate you coming, we look at this dynamite that came in a small package to earth. Father, I ask you prepare it for us. I ask that you would rock our worlds. And I ask that for um, this year and for 2020 and beyond, that we would be people who respond to the unexpected with faith, with trust, with humility, and with a, with a sense of expectation that no matter what it looks like on the outside, you are always at work in our lives. In your powerful name we pray. Amen. <laughs>